Tuz Biber FM Hello, can I see your passports please? Comedy Passport Podcast episode, whatever it is. Uh, I'm Leon Sandler, and I'm joined today by my friend Murat Gensholu and... Hello, everyone. And... Hello, and Asli Akbay. Asli Akbay. So, Asli, uh, could you tell the people that are listening to this podcast, assuming that they exist, could you tell them a little something about yourself? <laughs> tell them a little something about myself. I grew up in London. My uh, parents are Turkish. My dad's from Turkey. My mom's from Cyprus, actually. She's from Gubris, as we'd say, in Turkey. And uh, I grew up in London, started doing comedy over there, and then moved to Istanbul um, in order to not die, really. London was killing me slowly. Moving to Turkey for relative safety. What an interesting choice. For relative choice. safety, <laughs> exactly. I know. I As know. a woman, I wouldn't believe it, but Contrast. here you are. <laughs> Were you born in London? I was born in London. Wow. Guy's Hospital. Tenth floor. It's called Guy's Hospital. It's called Guy's Hospital. Why exactly. were you born there? What's going on? Exactly, which kind of explains a few things, maybe about uh, about me. Uh, maybe I don't know. So, how did you uh, get into into doing comedy in London? I kind of fell into comedy in London. I'd never ever thought about doing stand up before. Um, I was working at the BBC. I was working on children's television program called Smart. And while I was working on that show, I was kind of thinking because I'd done a lot of I did a lot of student radio while at university and um, when I finished also I did a lot of radio so I kind of liked the radio thing but then I thought let me try TV so oh, uh, so you are used to this setup um, kind of kind of a little okay. bit yeah I mean I haven't had a big black mic near me for a while but um, <laughs> especially one that's hanging with uh, various contraptions I mean that's just taking it next step isn't it guys <laughs> but anyway I know and, uh, air, what, yeah. what can you do so I, I was working in television I was working in children's children's BBC working on a TV show I was thinking about I was already doing radio presenting, already had done that, and I was thinking about TV presenting, and I was trying that, and I had done a little bits and bobs. But as I worked in TV, I kind of started to get a bit bored of television because it's crazy hours. You're working like crazy, crazy hours. And uh, anyway, while I was working on this show, the presenter invited us to a sketch comedy show that she was going to take to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. So wow. I went to see this sketch comedy show that this TV presenter, that I'd only known her as a TV presenter. So she invited us to the sketch comedy show. I went to watch that and I was like, this is fucking great. Like, I want to do this kind of stuff. Like, doing stuff behind the camera and, you know, kind of all the schedules. It's kind of difficult. Um, and which around is boring. what time this boring. is? This is, I don't know, when, when is this? 2007, mm. maybe? Oh. Something like that. And then I found out that she did a she'd done a stand-up comedy workshop with this guy called Logan. And um, I found out the details of that and uh, I was kind of depressed at the time and uh, I needed something to do. I needed to go somewhere and feel like I had friends and and uh, I, I signed up I signed <laughs> yeah. up with a workshop and I started going there and then when you it was like a Sunday workshop. We'd go every day, every right. Sunday for a few hours or something. Absolutely. The, the stand-up illness end. to mental, uh, stand-up comedy. <laughs> the me- <laughs> one more time. The mental illness to stand-up comedy pipeline. Well, yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. knows stand-up comedy is the best place to have friends where you are all alone on stage. When you're all alone yeah. and you just have to therapize each other. Is that is that even a word? Part of it, part of that kind word of. is what you might do to each other. F- f- yeah. F- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right. Traumatize each other, then therapize each other. Right. Exactly. And then use Initially. what you know about each other from therapy to hurt each other again. It's really an interesting cycle. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's a great way to put it, Leon. It sums kind of summarizes 
how you've lived your life, I guess. It really in, is. In a way, doesn't no, it? No, it's brought me here. It's brought you here. All the way to Istanbul, <laughs> all the right. way from Russia. From Russia through America and then You're back only... into the Balkans. Yeah. Yeah, my parents yeah. are real proud. <laughs> if you went to Russia right now, would they take you into the army? Uh, not me. No, just because they'd be like, you're physically, it's not possible. Yeah, pass. I kind yeah. of, I'm not. They'd be like, nah, even as cannon like, father. It's not worth it. As cannon father, they'd be like, no, dude, come on. Yeah. What are you fucking, come on, dude. <laughs> you know, I'm safe from all that by just being born like this. Um, yeah, so what... Yeah, you you would be a great addition to the army. I mean, they will send you the front, do stand up over there. And yeah, exactly. The stand up in the sense of like drawing sniper fire, standing up to draw. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you got into like this uh, so, stand up comedy workshop, or so blah blah blah. Yeah. I was inspired by this thing I watched, did the workshop, started doing stand up, and then when you start doing it, it's kind of difficult to stop. Mm -hmm. um, so unfortunately, I'm I'm still I'm still stuck. I'm still stuck in stand-up comedy. Still doing it. Was doing it in London, and then came over here. Started doing it over here, and uh, that's how it how it is so really. You both have been in London, and you've both yeah. done comedy in English, and then also done comedy in Turkish. And so exactly. I'm really curious from the both of you together, Murat Nasli, uh, what's your experience of like the London scene and like the the Turkish scene compared to the London scene, and so on. Mm -hmm. We question. had it in reverse order with Asla, and we never had overlap. Time exactly, period we weren't there at the same time. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one is a different time. <laughs> yeah, we were avoiding each other. We avoided our, each right. other. Well, exactly. I was like, "Look, dude, I've moved to Istanbul now. You're free to go to London." He was like, "Okay, fuck it, I'm going." And then when he came back, and we ended up in the same place, it's unfortunate, but you know, no, I'm, joking. You're on I'm one joking. Visa. I'm joking. Exactly. I'm joking. <sighs> yeah. But obviously London, I mean, that's, that's a different scene. You know, uh, English crowds are probably going to be a bit different. And stand-up as an art form is probably a bit different in, like, an English-speaking country. You know, probably it's more established. I feel like people might um, know what to expect a bit more, right? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, generally, I mean, stand-up is relatively new in Turkey compared to the rest of the world, you know, a lot of America and Europe and all that kind of stuff. So audiences kind of know how to be audiences i think that's because a lot of a lot of people you, you can go to a stand you, in, in turkey sometimes you're at a stand-up gig and that it might be the person's first second third fourth time at a comedy show mm. and then if you think about the experiences they've had before that it's probably been at theater where they're you're supposed to be respectful and not make a word and you know sit and kind of appreciate and just watch and so so having said that i guess what i'm trying to say is that audiences are a bit they're they're shyer in Turkey, so you won't get people heckling you, for example. Whereas in the UK or in America, Australia, wherever it's like, because people have been going to stand up for a long, long time, they're comfortable with being silly themselves, being silly audience members, but then also being annoying fucking assholes and shouting <laughs> things out. So right. yeah, that's what I realized you know. as well. In Turkey, uh, Turkish audience members have binary response: laugh or not laugh. They don't really, when you say shocking things on stage, they don't really go, wow, oh, wow. You don't, they don't say that. They laugh or not laugh. So I'm missing that, actually, in the uh, London scene. I've seen a lot of people doing that. A bit more interactive. It was refreshing, yeah. 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 Can you do the same kind of crowd work in Turkish that, like, you can do in English, for example? I mean, like, I, I noticed that, like... Um, I love doing crowd work. It's probably my favorite part of stand-up because it, it, it like, keeps it interesting and fresh for me. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering, like, if you're tr- trying to do crowd work with, like, a Turkish audience, would they respond? Would they give you the feedback that you're looking for? Or, more difficult. Yeah. More difficult. You think so? Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're more of a, they're still more in the kind of, uh, I mean, stand-up comedy is about communication, the communication and the relationship you form with people that are watching. But in Turkey, like I said, as audiences are a little bit shyer, they prefer to sit back and just be like, okay, now make me laugh. You know, they're not, it's it's less of an interactive Yeah, they say, I thing. paid for the ticket already. I've done my part. Now it's all on you. Exactly. Yeah, well, that keeps it fun. I mean, I remember a gig. <laughs> I mean, you said crowd work. It's not really crowd work, but I remember a gig in London where I was, again, depressed for God knows what. Just so you being, were doing stand-up, yeah. Just for so. being alive or whatever, and go. as usual. And then... Um, I was unable to do any washing, so I hadn't washed any clothes for a really long time, and therefore I had no underwear left. So then I decided... What? How is that related? Right, that's how the... it's related. <laughs> right, tune into the premium episode of the podcast to hear this story. This is uh, behind the paywall. <laughs> you can catch the extended... Yeah, a $5 Patreon to hear about Asla not wearing underwear. Yeah, and... Fifteen dollars for getting her dirty underwear. Yeah. When she hadn't, I mean, she hadn't washed or showered in a few weeks. But look, this is the sexiest the podcast has ever been. Uh, Asa is the first woman, maybe the last woman, to be on the show. You know, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so how, how did? Sorry to cut you off. How did that uh, go? So anyway, so I hadn't done any laundry for a while. I didn't have any clean underwear. So then I decided that I wasn't going to wear any underwear. So for a while, I wasn't wearing any underwear. And uh, I ended up going to this stand-up comedy gig with a friend of mine. And like, this is something, you know, an example of something that I wouldn't do in Turkey. So I went on stage and I was like, hey, guys, what's up? Yeah, I'm, a, you know, I'm actually really, de- I'm so depressed at the moment. Like, I, I, I've stopped wearing underwear because it's just too difficult to, you know, to go through that process. And I basically just pulled my trousers down, my jeans down and just showed everyone my ass. Okay. And then that got a huge laugh. That got a huge <laughs> laugh. Pulled up my trousers and then carried on with the gig. Like I could not do that in Turkey. I could not go on stage in Turkey. Wasn't there straight. a guy that did that? It's yeah, ridiculous. in Turkey, some guy did really? that. Yeah, yeah. He stole your bit. He I'm, stole my bit. You got to contact him. Like, hey, yeah. you're stealing my material. He exactly has the same ass with you. <laughs> stole the bit. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably one of the things that might not work well on an audience here. I don't know. I mean, in, in the UK, it's normal. Like, that's what you do. You know, you get you go out, you get drunk, and you right. show people your ass. Right. Like, that's just... That's, that's If you that's, haven't... You didn't have it, if you... That's you know. right. There's got to be, like, a football match going on, but yes. So, the details. Did you show them your bare ass or with the underwear? Oh, no, no bare ass because there's no underwear, of course. Okay, bare ass. Wow. That's, uh, that's the <laughs> yeah. When we talk about improvisation normal. on stage, it's normal. That's, what really, it's totally normal. that's really improvisation. Is, um, yeah. Oh, I never, I've never done a gig like that. She says it's normal, but that wasn't my experience. Well, you're going to Amsterdam. <laughs> I think at that club, you're going to be required to be fully nude. Yeah. Or there's gonna, you're yeah. going to be wearing some sort of like cock ring. Probably or it happens in Amsterdam all the time, yeah. but you forget about yeah. it because of all the drugs you yeah, consume. I think this, the sex club and the Probably. comedy club might be next to each other, and you might walk in the wrong door. <laughs> <laughs> You just peek in the glory hole and you should yeah. watch a stand-up that's comedy. Right. It's, uh, <laughs> that's right. You've got to you've got to do your tight fifteen while getting sucked off through the hole. <laughs> tight fifteen. Someone's doing your tight fifteen while, yeah. while you're getting so right. interactive. Uh, I only have tight five for that man. Tight five. Yeah. Yeah. Five if you're lucky. <laughs> uh, it's the Amsterdam comedy scene. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, on that note, do you do you find that your material, like the, the material that you worked on in London, or the material that you deliver in English, is really different from what you've been doing in Turkey or for Turkish audiences? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I first moved over here, I I was just translating the stuff I was doing over there, and it wasn't working. People were like, "Who the hell are you? What the hell are you talking about? This is horrible! Shut the fuck up!" Kind of, and I slowly kind of censored it and made it a bit more, you know. So I have, and and the thing is, and. Because I started, because I did English comedy for English people over there, started doing um, comedy over here for Turkish people, and then I started doing comedy over here for expats, and then I did a gig in Turkish in London. So I kind of have like four folders. Mm. I have English comedy for English speaking people in the UK or wherever, and then Turkish comedy for people that live in the UK, and then English comedy for people that live in Turkey, and then Turkish comedy for people that live in. Turkey, and then you've got to have actually one more file of English material you can do everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it gets kind of confusing to be honest. Have you done English gigs outside outside of UK? I did and Turkey. I, yeah, I done some English gigs in America when I was over there. Oh, cool! In a few different cities, I did. I went. I was um, I was flown over for a gig in Oman. Wow! I did an English gig in Oman years ago. I did an English gig in Tbilisi as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, America, it's in Georgia, Tbilisi, right? Georgia, yeah. Georgia, yeah, Georgia, Tbilisi. So it's like you have to just think about which uh, poo dick joke I can do in which way right. in what, which country when. What part of your body you can expose in Oman? Yeah, you're gonna like let your hair down. Yeah, you let your nose be seen, yeah. and everybody laughs. Yeah. Oh, what a shock! We've so. seen the nose of the woman. Yeah, and then you go to prison. I mean, Murat must have had the same, you know, because because I started it over there, came over here. He started it over here, went over there. Well, how was your experience yeah, we had when you went order, when so. you went when your first like gigs in the UK? How were they compared to? It was shit, man. I I didn't speak English properly, not for the UK audience. I I learned English through American college, and it wasn't great, and people weren't paying attention because my English wasn't good at as they used to. So my first couple of gigs, maybe five open mics, I bombed really hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then I learned how to ride the bomb, which I didn't experience as much in Turkey to Turkish audience doing it in Turkish. So yeah. Uh, ah, I, that's quite a good skill. Yeah. So you learn how to make fun of yourself when, when exactly. you were bombing. Yeah. yeah, on the spot saying. That's pretty cool. Right. You lean into it. You're like, this is really sucking pretty hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's not going well. Yeah, yeah. and then people laugh because you've kind of broken the form. You've let them in on exactly, the joke. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now it's not just an act. They see a real human being really interacting with them yeah. and the, with the moment. Yeah. Can you do the same in Turkish? Like, if, if you lose an audience in Turkish, what's your go-to there? Uh, usually because I have a lot of uh, material in Turkish, I just... Uh, found tricks like saying uh, I wasn't gonna talk about this but uh, I'm gonna tell this now and say a different joke entirely just to lighten the mood and get back to the jokes that the, that doesn't work <laughs> nice <laughs> but uh, on the spot a uh, couple of times if I don't take the gig seriously if they don't pay much you know there are a lot of gigs they that they don't pay much yeah so All I the just, ones I uh, do yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just treat them as uh, paid open mics. Yeah. So I try a lot of new stuff like crowd work and uh, riding the bomb. Yeah. Bombing on purpose, that's what I do sometimes. Because yeah, I know how, I have how working can you jokes. 
because I know I, I have jokes that works. So I bomb first, I lose the crowd and tr make it a challenge to win them again. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Sometimes you're it's just like, all right, I'm not getting paid anything. I'm just going to do this for me then. Exactly. It's my, it's my show. You're all stuck here with me. <laughs> yeah, it's like a gym now. I have to uh, put the muscle that I mm. never worked on. Yeah. How about you, Asla? Like when you feel like you're not connecting with a crowd, what's your go-to there? Oh, yeah. I mean, the same thing. That's the thing. I mean, that's that's the best thing to do is to be like, oh, well, I mean, I normally, you know, if a joke goes badly, I'm like, oh, well, that that was shit, wasn't it? You know, well, that or that didn't go as well as I expected or, you know, you have to acknowledge it. If you don't acknowledge it, then exactly. Then people are like looking at you like, hello, are we in the same room? Because mm -hmm. if you don't acknowledge it, they don't kind of understand that you're on the that you understand what's going on in the room and they think you're even crazier than you actually are. You know, so right. I think audiences will be more it. on your side once you bring them into it. You know, once you yeah. start doing yeah. that interaction with them, once you start breaking the form a little yeah, bit, you gotta tell them we are in this together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the, one of the cool things I think about stand up is that it's always happening in a room with a specific group of people. You know, at a yeah. certain time. And so, yeah, you've always got to react to what's going on. Or like if there's other comics in the lineup, you might react to what they did or how the night has been going, all that stuff. That makes it like more. I don't know, more enjoyable for people because it brings them in. Yeah, for sure. So you said there's different folders with different stuff you've got to work out. And you talked a little bit about how you had to censor some of your stuff. Mm -hmm. What are some topics that you feel like you, you still can't approach in Turkish maybe? One joke that I just remember just now was, uh, was a joke that I would do in the UK about um, uh, your friend's baby's penis. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I did can already see some did faces. Did you perform for Prince Andrew? Or <laughs> <laughs> it was certified royally. I don't know how why it doesn't work. Yeah. I had a majestic Prince Andrew <laughs> loved that joke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's just a silly joke about it's just a silly joke about how when your friend has a baby and you go over and it's breastfeeding time or the baby does a poo, and then. You know, you shouldn't really be looking, but then you do end up looking and it's kind of a weird form. It's like just balls with it's just big balls and you know, whatever. So I just talk about that. I'm like, how I'm, I shouldn't really be doing that. Why am I doing that? You know, blah, blah, blah. So it's just this kind of like train of thought about that. Yeah. But even that I can't do in Turkey. People would be like, OK, yeah, you're, how you're, you're mental. You're it's like they're not taking the silly. They don't take the silly. Immediately they'd be like, oh, what? That's don't you can't talk about that. Don't say that. That's yeah, but like you're doing this quick like am I a pedo check on yourself? And you're like, yeah, all right, I'm not right. Out loud, <laughs> out exactly, loud, exactly. Out loud. In, in London, people love that because they can relate to it. <laughs> I mean, exactly. We don't have that much to do over there. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. you know, it's uh, sex, drugs, incest, and you know whatever. That's like, just the royal whatever, family. That's exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, yeah, I mean, Queen have you done died a, of any other uh, stuff in comedy besides stand up? Have I done other stuff? I did. I was part of a, few, a sketch thing. I think. I think I wrote. Sketch a, one, I think I wrote one or two sketches, yeah. and I was a part of sketch, but not really. Not really. Haven't really done anything. It blows my mind to see you like mm. working on a children's show. I couldn't <laughs> imagine. <laughs> like this is before I, I I exposed myself in public. I was working yeah. on the children's television program. Dressed up as a baby's uh, I was, penis. I was suicidally <laughs> exactly. depressed, and I was working on the children's show. Smart. <laughs> 
<laughs> Solution to overpopulation uh, is uh, making us the work on children's sh- shows. My children's show, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's for children that are being held captive in basements. Yeah, it's all drug lobbyists, man. Just make them depressed early yeah, at the young age. The so whole thing is sponsored by a company that makes Ritalin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You got, but something that occurred to me that I want to ask Murat, actually. Do you think your... Um, how do you think your experience doing stand-up in London help, has helped you? Or, or has it... Or did it hinder you? Did it, you know, did it make things harder? Did it kind of scramble your brain a little bit or was it have you learned new things that were good in your you know to help you with your future i actually learned english better Mm -hmm. uh, thanks to doing stand-up comedy over there and i also uh, kind of got a taste of a different crowd uh, english-speaking crowd uh, native speakers that was good and uh, i've realized that you have some subjects that people getting hypersensitive about uh uh, both in Turkey and UK, but the subjects are different. In Turkey, it's more kind of a religion, more societal things, that more closed-minded stuff, let's say. I don't want to really uh, alienate those people, but yeah, uh, religion, politics, uh, those are frowned upon. They expect the silly stuff. They expect you to be, a, be the clown on stage. But in UK, uh, you are more encouraged to do more offensive jokes but they find different things offensive. Like doing fat jokes is extremely a uh, wow factor over there. They're saying, oh, how can you do this? Or you're a fat yeah, phobic. It's not politically correct anymore to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can do all the jokes you want about religion. You know, that's totally, yeah. that's to- it's almost too easy. You right? can still do it, but they don't laugh at this joke because they say, hey, we heard all <laughs> kinds of jokes about religion. Let's get over with anyways. 90% of the population is atheists anyways. Yeah. Why are we talking about religion yeah. myths? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing like, I don't get though is like th- those people who are like sensitive about topics like religion or society. I wonder like what are they doing in a comedy club, <laughs> right? You know, it's yeah. not like you know if you're vegan, why are you coming to a steakhouse? What did you think I was going to yeah. serve you? You know, go to spoken words. Where... Yeah, go to spoken <laughs> word and read, read, read a poem about cutting yourself and cry. No, that's uh, that is allowed as that's as long as you damage yourself. Allowed, it's allowed. encouraged. It's it's encouraged. Yeah. <laughs> Kill yourself and never come back. That's right. Except yeah. if you're listening to the show, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we only ha- we need all three of you. Yeah, guys. Exactly. Uh, exactly. If but, any of you yeah. have any problems, you can if, call us. Yeah, now. Yeah, email Murat. Email Murat. Yeah. Email only Murat. I'm not even here. <laughs> yeah. But there are common things as well in both audiences. Like uh, they are uh, hypersensitive on subjects, which means they. They have some boundaries that you can't really cross. They say you can't really talk about this stuff, but it's censorship. So every every culture has some sort sort. Uh, uh, they have some things some they don't want you to. Some red lines. Yeah, some every red culture lines. has some red lines, and they're different for each culture. Obviously. Yeah, and it always takes me to go over that subject. Mm-hmm. So if if I find out that fat jokes are offensive, I do three more fat jokes. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think my rule for that is like you can joke about whatever you want, but it's like the higher risk you're going to take, the more it actually has to work, right? Yeah. Like you can just be an asshole and, exactly. and say anything, but that's not necessarily funny. And a lot of people confuse just being an asshole with being funny. What you have to do is like if you're going to joke about like a, a tricky subject, you have to have something clever or interesting to say about it. Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's not going to work. You know, but like, yeah, you break a couple of eggs along the way. So yeah, you have to figure uh, out exactly how to yeah. do it, how to do the act. Yeah. Many open mics I had 
uh, a lot of frowns from people until I made it work. Yeah. So what was an example of that? What was something you were, you were working on and just... Oh, it's too dark, man. I, I don't really... I blocked we, that right, out so of we had my also this baby, We had also this baby penis joke. <laughs> I had this joke, all right. I had this joke about going into bars and having... I want to have children, but I don't want to look after them. So what I do is go into bars where a lot of drunk couples are having sex in the bedroom. So I ejaculate all over the toilet papers. So when they wipe down after finishing sex, they will be impregnated with my children. So that was the premise of the joke, I, but I never got it uh, worked. I just think you don't understand how sperm mm-hmm. works. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think. I, you know, mm-hmm. on a slim chance it works. So that drunk Dog. couple is saying, "Hey, yeah. that's God's miracle. So let's look after this kid, and it's it will be my kid, uh, and I will be the modern uh, Genghis Khan." What you'd you know? have to do is like, take a <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, I feel like number one, I feel like that's a German joke more than an English one. And number two, I feel like what you'd have to do is like take a woman's tampons and like inject your semen into the tampon to have it like All right, time right. released. This is assuming so that Murat's semen actually works. A lot of assumptions we have to make scientifically. This is like science fiction we're talking about. This is like Star yeah. Trek. I will be bring three kids to the next <laughs> podcast. Hey, it works. So yeah. Here, it up. here you exactly. go. I made or found these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so obviously there's some material that's, like, too edgy, but, you know, what are the jokes that work then? What do Turkish audiences want to hear compared to, say, English ones? Or American ones, for example, Asla, because you've done it on both sides of the Atlantic. I don't know, in Turkey, in Turkey, I guess it's kind of just just more kind of happy, happy, you know, kind of observational stuff women about, be about life. Yeah, women yeah. be shopping. Yeah. Yeah. Wholesome. When women be wholesome, about life, about, you know. But you are the stupid one as the comic. Or maybe just zero jokes. Zero jokes working. No, I'm joking. Zero, but, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's... I've, seen people, I've seen people do that. I've seen people do zero jokes. Yeah. I've seen people tell stories that are like, what's the point of this? What is <laughs> right? the point? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But don't you feel like, you know, I mean, maybe it's because stand-up is still kind of a new art form, but do you feel like compared to London, there's kind of a cap here on how big you can get? Because we're in Istanbul, right? It's, yeah. this, is, this is really the cultural center of the whole country. This is like New York or London or L.A. or wh- whatever, like, center point you want to be at. Mm-hmm. It's here for Turkey. And it's actually kind of here, I would say, for a lot of... I mean, you get a lot of different cultures coming through here. You get people from Europe, you get people from the Middle East, people from North Africa. There's a lot of people coming through this city, and it's it's huge. There's like 14 million people here. Probably 25. I mean, yeah, it's a bit unclear, and it changes every few months with every new, like, major international disaster. But, like, even then, it feels like the only Turkish comic is Cem Yilmaz. <laughs> so what's going on? <laughs> um, What's going on? I mean, he's he kind of made it more popular, more mainstream. He was one of the first people that broke through. Mm-hmm. And uh, the problem, a lot of people... See, there are, there's, you know, there's still a huge amount of Turkish people that have only ever watched Cemil Maz, not even live. They've just watched him on TV. They've watched him on YouTube, whatever. And, um, and they don't get out there to see what else is there, whereas, you know, there are so many more new comics now. Mm-hmm. But it's just, yeah. you know, if you ask the population, that's the first thing person that they're going to think of first and last yeah last night i had my turkish solo show and uh, i had this audience member uh, who was a who was the friend boyfriend of my college friend and he said that was my first time 
watching live comedy. Exactly. Mm. And there are a lot of people that still haven't watched live, you know, stand up live in Turkey. So yeah. so the forum is really just too new for anybody to have made it, you know, other than that one guy. <laughs> it's not necessarily too new. I mean, it's been around for long enough, I'd say. But, you know, whereas in the UK or America or wherever else, people are like, oh, what should we do tonight? You know, should we go to the cinema? Should we go out for a meal? Or should we go to stand up comedy? That isn't necessarily, I mean, up until the last few years, that wasn't necessarily something that people would think of yeah. going to do. Yeah, it's only you for know. depressed, suicidal weirdos, which is kind of how it should be. <laughs> and honestly, if you're not, why would you even go? Why would you even go? Uh, like, but I've heard that some nationalist uh, Turkish people uh, take pride in uh, mentioning that we had this form, art form, Uh, before we called it stand-up. I mean, the final form, stand-up, is more Western, uh, originating from U.S., I think. But here in Turkey, we had this uh, art form called Medda. Mm-hmm. And it was in, like, in small towns even. Uh, the best storyteller of the town was going in the square at a certain time of the day and everybody, everybody gathered around him or her. Probably him. Let's <laughs> be honest. Yeah, probably him. Let's be honest. You were you were trying to you're trying to be him. progressive, and you're like, no, that's yeah. that's a lie. So yeah, it's uh, counterproductive to yes. be progressive. Uh, exactly. Retrospectively, right? You can't be progressive <laughs> back in time. Yeah, also, no women in comedy is a traditional art form. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, we actually had this art form before in Turkey, but the final form, which we call stand up, is new. Yeah, well, I mean, even in Russia, there were people called humorists, you know, and they would they would tell anecdotes. Yeah. They would actually stand on stage, like reading from a script that they wrote from a piece of paper, and it would usually be like a funny <laughs> Ana- story. analog Twitter. Yeah, yeah analog. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it would usually just be like a funny story, and it was all those things about you know me and my wife, and we go here and we do this, all that stuff that like yeah, yeah. If you're if you're looking for like what we would call underground comedy, kind of edgy comedy, you know. Uh, it's probably only going to exist in the English-speaking world right now, I think. I don't know. Um, it's something I'm curious to find out, like what the underground of comedy is like in each country because it definitely exists. There's some kind of comedy scene. People are telling jokes. You know, I um, I remember I went to uh, Sarajevo. I lived there for a few months, and I met this uh, Bosnian comic because I went to his English show, mm-hmm. and we kind of just, you know, talked after the show. And he ended up telling me all these jokes from the war. Right mm-hmm. oh. from the from the Bosnian War, and one of them was like uh, two you know two little girls are swinging on a swing set, and the mother shouts out, "What are you doing?" And they say like, "Oh, we're just messing with the sniper." Uh, you know, it's like <laughs> uh, I was thinking about it because it's like if people if people can make jokes during a time like that, people make jokes everywhere in every country and in, in all conditions, right? But um, it's going to look different in every country. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder what the comedy underground is like. In Turkey, and I wonder, you know, maybe one of the reasons it hasn't gotten big yet. I mean, do you think it's kind of a censorship thing? Because I wonder how easy it is to get, say, on TV or, or you know, on I don't know the radio. Who listens to the radio? But like something like that, some kind of media channel. In the U.S., it's pretty clear. Like you know, you uh, you you tour, you do a few famous spots like the Comedy Cellar, the what is it, the Comedy Store in L.A. Mm-hmm. and so on. And then you do a few of those, so on and so forth. Then boom, Netflix deal or YouTube special, and so on. But I feel like in in Turkey, that formula that gets you into like um, into some kind of media channel just doesn't happen. It I depends be- on your jokes. Does it? Yeah, I mean, but then also I was going to say, like, you know, because in America it used to be you've got to go on one of those late night shows. Mm-hmm. That would be yeah. 
you know, you you had to go on SNL, you know, that would be the, the thing that would catapult you. So you'd go from New York, the, from the cellar, you'd go on SNL or one of those Carlson. Carlson yeah, you do like, like a tight so five was on, like, um, who was it, and uh, Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Exactly. And that's become less and less. People still do that, but that's less now. Exactly. Like you said, it's like if they're already popular, then they might get a Netflix deal and this, that and the other. And in Turkey, it's not that system. I don't know. There are a few shows that people go on. But they've got to be, you know, super, super clean, super mainstream. Yeah. Mm. You know, those those few TV shows. Yeah. But there are lots of people releasing their own stuff on YouTube. And there yeah. are some, you know, elect- um, uh, different different digital outlets where people, where there are lots of, st- there is, th- I think there's more stand-up than, out there than you think there is, Leon, actually. Yeah. yeah. That's what I've seen. People are self-promoting now in this mm-hmm. digital age. Yeah. Yeah, those official channels, like even Netflix, who who cares anymore, right? The yeah. company's dying. <sighs> yeah. YouTube has more views, so if you want to have more audience, uh, right. uh, banner carriers, let's say, uh, you got to give something for free, then you get people buy tickets more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the on the note you mentioned about Bosnian uh, comic who told you a joke about, about war times, I, I've seen a video essay on YouTube, and... Uh, there has been some potteries they found in uh, early civilizations, like in Egypt or so. They uh, just draw cartoons on potteries mm-hmm. that um, make look the pharaoh having sex with an animal or something like that. Yeah. Dirty jokes. It's basically off this whole set. <laughs> and it's, uh, Five thousand. I've heard the one about the pharaoh. Five thousand years later. Yeah, we're getting really niche uh-huh. with it now. It's all about ancient Egyptian pottery comedy. <laughs> <laughs> pottery comedy. Pottery That's comedy. the new way to go. I've heard That's that. Right. If you want to become famous, you have to make. Yeah. So are you pharaoh. saying that they found pottery with? this kind of stuff on it yeah like underground like uh, every time you found pottery or yeah. or or a drawing or a painter mm-hmm. painting it's always funded by the guys on top yeah. mm-hmm. but it's actually been around that with jokes and stuff like common people are doing jokes yeah. and making fun of the people on top so like what is what is like turkish comedy look like then in turkish because obviously this country is pretty well known for censorship there's a reason we're doing this podcast in english other than just the fact that i only <laughs> i only speak it but um you know like i was thinking about this the other day i can't really imagine i can imagine a turkish snl Right. I could imagine a Turkish sketch comedy show where people have like, you know, slice of life sketches and it's funny and whatever. I can't really imagine a Turkish version of The Onion. Well, I mean, we used to be able to make fun of politics in Turkey. There is actually we a did. Turkish version of Onion. Oh. Oh, Zeitung. Zeitung. Exactly. There is. What's that like? Zeitung.com. It's um, it's it's kind of it's very satir- satirical. But I mean, I, I don't know. I don't look at it enough, I guess. But I'm just I'm wondering how, you know, how... How many of the the uh, what's the word the boundaries they push? I'm wondering. I'm wondering. But um, yeah, there used to be a lot more shows where you could make fun of uh, politics and and everything else on Turkish TV, and that kind of slowly diminished. And we're at today, and uh, so they they you know so what I guess what you're trying to say is um, on you know shows like SNL or Trevor Noah or whatever where yeah. he just rips the piss out of everyone. Yeah, and a everything. Turkish Daily Show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Everyone and everything. You can't necessarily do that here, which is unfortunate. But they used to be able to. But people are a bit sensitive yeah. so uh you know we are yeah yeah absolutely and even when you go to like a comedy club and you see somebody on stage they're not necessarily going to go for material like that they're going to do more average everyday they're just going to do average every day uh, i went to the toilet and i can you know 
I don't know, whatever. Right. Wash my well, I want to ask you something, Leon. Sure. You think there is zero censorship in U.S. in terms of comedy? That's a good point. I mean, this is a really interesting thing that I think about sometimes because uh, I would say that it's not censorship in the sense of, like, a government official, like, knocking at your door or whatever. Uh, or, it's people, know. isn't it's, it? It's more like, yeah, it's, it's more Democrats like... Democrats and the, Republicans. The vibe of people the at Trumpers a comedy club. and the non-Trumpers. We've talked about this before. Like, I think you can get away with a lot more in English, actually, in, like... Turkey, or maybe in Georgia, the country, yeah, not, not the state, uh, <laughs> right? I feel like you can get away with a lot here because um, I guess people who speak English here and who are interested in comedy here, they don't have quite the same sensitivity to topics like fat phobia, right? Yeah. LGBT jokes, uh, even like dark comedy that's kind of fucked up about whatever suicide. I guess that's pretty popular everywhere now. Um, but yeah. It's not that there's censorship in the sense of like um, government reprisal for what you say. It's more like the audience is people gonna... are sensitive to certain topics, yeah. and there's definitely a thing where if you if you approach a subject in a bad way, uh, or if if you're kind of like you know really right wing on stage, you might not get invited back to an open mic. You might be kind of soft banned or actually hard banned from an open mic. You might not be invited to do a venue again. There's that kind of censorship. And I wonder, like, on the one hand, I don't like that. On the other hand, I do think, like, if if you're not clever enough to make your set work for your audience, maybe you're just not that good at comedy, right? Yeah, I keep thinking, like, quit. you should you can joke about whatever you want. You just have to figure out a way to you do to it make, that works. Yeah. yeah, you have to make it sound intelligent enough so that the people that are stupid are not going to be able to understand it and then be prejudiced yeah. against you. Well, one thing I say, when I say something <laughs> fucked up, I, I've made jokes about school shootings on stage and in, in the U.S. and stuff, and usually when I say something fucked up, I'm like, okay, all right, I'm sorry. That was, that was pretty far, all right. But here's why I think that, you know. You, you acknowledge that what you said was, like, out of bounds. And you, you get the audience on your side by telling them, no, no, I'm not, I'm not actually racist or whatever, but here's just what I think. Um, so you kind of spotlight it. You shine a light on it. Uh, and that can work. If you're not smart enough to do that, if you're not smart enough to, like, make your comedy work for your audience, then you're just not a good comic because you're not responding to the audience and working with them. You know, mm -hmm. you're just sort of like, here's my, you know, racist, sexist opinions. You have to listen to them. I've, <laughs> I've, see, I've seen people do that, and I'm, I don't respect it as much. And I'm not very sensitive about material I hear on stage. Like, you can joke about whatever, as I said before, but your joke has to be funny. It has to be clever. And if it's not, if you try all that racist, sexist stuff, and there's just nothing there, you're going to fall harder than if you tried to do some sort of, hey, women be shopping joke, and it didn't work. You know, there's less, less to fall. Right. Exactly. The the bigger the risk you take, the the funnier the yeah, jokes. Yeah. The more be. good at it you have to be if you're gonna do edgy material. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. the same, you know, mathematical stuff. Like the longer the the longer the setup, the better the joke has to be. If you have some ridiculous long setup that goes on for ten minutes and then you just have a, like an anticlimax, yeah. then it's bullshit. It's so got to pay off. You know, it's got to pay off. It's exactly. Got to pay off. Same, same with yeah. same with edgy comedy. Absolutely. Yeah. If you put people in the dark side of their brain and they have to be in touch with the conflict, then the release should be bigger. Yeah. Absolutely. So speaking of that, Oslik, who are some of the comics you feel maybe have inspired you, or, or who do you think like, you know, um, 
you see somebody and you're like, okay, I wish uh, I could do that, or I'm trying to do something so, like that. Sorry, oh. before going into that subject, I need to go to the toilet. Yeah, let's do that. Maybe we should take All a right. break. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. Subscribe to the break. Patreon to join Morag in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> $20. That's, a, that's the $20 tier. Once a month, you get to go into the toilet and do whatever you want in there for five minutes. And if we you don't want ask. dirty underwear from us, that's, that's $35 in total. Yeah, exactly. I have plenty of dirty underwear currently. If, All right. anyone, needs to, if anyone wants us help. Right. Fuckstamps.com. <laughs> <laughs> so Ostley, we were just talking about uh, like what inspires you to write jokes and how do you write? What inspires me to write? I'm 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 uh very lazy. I'm very lazy if you haven't gathered already, but uh I normally um, something happens, I have an idea and I just make a note in my phone or if I, if I have a notebook, make a note there. I usually go on stage with an idea and then write the joke on stage and see how it works. And, and I should really listen back, but I don't listen back either. I have a, a lot of recordings that I haven't listened to, which is Me too. terrible, which is terrible because they just amount up and up and up. So anyway, so I go on with an idea, try it out, see if it worked. If it doesn't work, then I'll ch change it. But I, I, I mean, the better way to do it is to sit down and write, really. Yeah, but often a I A little bit every day. I feel like I can't do that, though. I tried that. I tried that with the set I did yesterday, actually. I sat down and I wrote it out, actually, word for word. And then I went up. I won't say on stage because there was no stage there. I just went on the floor in front of people like a dog. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, and I just went up there and, like, I did my first joke that I had written and it, like, didn't work. I got it. Got nothing. The first joke got nothing. I was like, okay, all that writing has failed me, uh, and I got to just sort of um, not quite improvise, but I had to move things around in the set, and I had to break the set and do some crowd work ah. to win people back. So I, even when you write stuff, I feel like writing is hard because my brain sometimes moves faster than like my my hand will move when I write, and even when I'm writing things on paper, I, you know, it's all about like getting the tone and getting the delivery. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I can't even really write. What I do is I'll just think of something funny, like an, an idea of a joke, and I'll just like practice it in my head over and over and over. Ah, and I'll be you like, do you the know, practice in I'm your walking, head. I'm walking around and I'm practicing in my head. I'm waiting in line at the grocery store or whatever, and I'm just practicing it in my head because I need to get the tone and the delivery right. You can write the words, but it's like how you say them. How and, are you going to say yeah, it? What's yeah, the yeah, timing exactly. going to be? What's the timing going to be? What's the tone of your voice? Are you going to do some kind of physical gesture or lean in or something? You know? There's all that stuff. So writing, I don't know. I mean, Murat, you write a lot, don't you? Yeah, when I did my uh, solo show, the second solo show, before I did it, I just gathered all my material and uh, wrote them down. Mm -hmm. But I did it for 12 times already, and uh, I have new stuff added in the solo show now, and some of the bits that works now is not in the writing. I'm also doing the sets first uh, many times, and if it works, then I write it down. But I also should listen to uh, recordings, yeah. uh, voice recordings I take when I tell the jokes and write things down. Because sometimes I say things uh, on the spot, like I improvise and uh, those and are funny shit and they, they, they should go into the writing and the main bit. But yeah. Laziness. I mean, most of the time I remember the extra things that I've added like spontaneously but sometimes you don't remember everything sometimes you don't remember the, everything and, and sometimes you say something in a completely different way and it works yeah also so you start with an idea and then you kind of improv your way through it on stage yeah i'd say i'd say i'd and say and as i as i kind of i find so so rather than writing it down like you said and uh figuring out the tone on paper i'll figure it out on stage 
Right. And uh, because because that will be the natural way that I want to tell it anyway. Mm-hmm. So because uh, that's the natural way I want to tell it anyway, then it's kind of easier because then it, I'll form the sentences mostly in the same way anyway, mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah, and so you kind of improv it, and then do you do you keep doing it until it eventually reaches a final form, and you're like, okay, that's it, that's it's done, or are you kind of improvising it each time, even even like months later or something? I don't know. Some jokes just kind of stay exactly the same. Not exactly the same, but some jokes stay relatively the same, but some do kind of start to change and, you know, you add little bits. But then it also depends on where you're doing it. So, mm. you know, if I go, because I do a lot of Turkish stand-up with Chokta Fifi and we go to like these small towns or places outside of Istanbul, and then you have to kind of change the joke to make it less offensive for people. Could you explain Chokta then, Fifi to our hundreds of thousands of listeners Chokta Fifi is a group of f- currently five women and we have a two hour show and we do 20 minutes, yeah, roughly 20 minutes each. The ladies material. can't stop talking, I gotta tell can't you. Can't stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two hours, dude, two yeah. hours. But we have a break in the middle. And um, I've been doing stand up with them for quite a while now. It's been quite a long time. And they're still alive. That's the thing. Yeah, you know, in so. Turkey, that's for a woman. That's pretty rare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the thing is, uh, when you do a joke in Istanbul and compared to other small towns, like you change small bits, like you don't say fuck, you say make love. That kind of smoothening things out. Is it how you change the jokes? Yeah, maybe I won't say ass, and I'll say batok. Mm. Okay. Great. Bottom. And then people are like, well, I can live with that. <laughs> I can live with that. It doesn't mean it's the same meaning. But So, so do you have like yeah. sketches that you do or is it just you doing stand-up one after the other? It's stand-up one after the other. So also okay. someone will go on first and then introduce the second and introduce the third and then introduce a break and then the next person goes on and just pass the mic, passing the mic along. Do you do a lot basically. of callback to each other's sets or something? Sometimes, sometimes, if there's something worth calling back to. Is there? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. A, a, a group of five women Turkish comedians. I mean, what's that like as a woman comic specifically, or like five women comics? I guess even, we talked about how stand-up is a new form. And even then, it's like overwhelmingly male, right? Because it's all just like men using this as therapy. Uh, <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I mean, not yet, but it will be. BetterHelp. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when they hear this, they're going to send us a code. <laughs> they're going to send us a trial code. You better help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's still relatively new. And then it being like five women i guess you know that's even newer for most people so what's that been like like to be honest when we started there weren't a lot of women doing stand-up there are maybe a few so we we kind of we did when we began we got kind of quite a lot of hype but um but there are lots of there are lots of new you know very funny female turkish comedians now i believe that so you know so we're less kind of yeah, people are a bit like, okay, yeah. You know, I mean, th- we've been around for a while, like I said. So at, at the beginning, it was more, we did get quite a lot of attention at the beginning. Mm. But now, I mean, it's been quite a long time and there are lots of Turkish comedians and, you know, female comedians. I know whether you want to believe it or not, but I, some I, women I are imagine funny. imagine a universe. Some women are funny, yes. I know. I mean, one of it's them... difficult, but... One of them's here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Which one? I'm talking about she? Murat. Where is she? Yeah, exactly. that's right, Murat. Yeah. Well, you've hair, your hair is nice and permed. I kind of... It's I mean, got the natural perm thing. Yeah, it's kind of sexy. I mean, the beard Thank needs, you, you know, mm-hmm. feminize the face. Mm-hmm. Anyway, oh, the beard is very feminizing. kind of, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's but why are you still, I keep it. Are you still performing with the Chokta Fifi regularly? 
So we so we normally so we're kind of the season is kind of starting again, oh. um, October and uh, so we normally would do like two shows a week or something like that. But it's kind of random. I don't know. Every year is different. Basically, before the pandemic, before the two year break or whatever we took, we were we were doing quite a lot of you know we had like. A, we had four definite gigs a month and then we would add on like doing um, gigs out of Istanbul and blah, blah, blah. And then the pandemic hit and so last year was a bit slow, to be honest. So this year is just beginning mm. now. We don't know how I think how it's going to go. We'll see. Chokta Fifi had a potential of being the go-to stand-up for all the women in Turkey. But I think now it's a fixed uh, bill of uh, comics. It's It doesn't feel like you are going to... a uh, all-female uh, comedy act it's just another group show and uh, what might have happened is to save that maybe uh, ideologically maybe you could have had rotations of uh, other female comics like Chokta Fifi stands as a name but you have different female comics on each act it would keep it uh, fresh to I keep think it fresh. are, yeah, you, are totally... you mansplaining woman comedy to the woman comic <laughs> 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 that's the problem all right the thing about this women comedy is that there's not enough women in. you gotta get some broads in here like get nice some new women in big titted broads yeah diversified <laughs> the dirty underwear yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's yeah like, no i totally i totally agree with murad i think that's something that we we should we should do but girls are not very you know what women are like yeah. you know they don't actually really like, i don't that's why i have a podcast don't want new women don't want new women but yeah but i totally agree i think i think having like a, someone different every every show every other show having like a guest well you said four would shows keep a it month fresh would keep it fresh and would you know would then in kind of we'd be helping and encouraging other yeah. women to do more stand up as well you said four shows a month right We so before the pandemic we had four definite shows in Istanbul plus other shows outside of Istanbul plus maybe another five or three or four would be added. Well, that sounds kind of grueling because like I can't imagine making that much new material. And I'm, I'm making new material pretty regularly. I go to open mics, I try out new things every month. I try to make at least a new five to ten minutes. But still, like four shows a month, I feel like when I've done the same joke maybe a handful of times, it's kind of dead to me. It's like a piece of chewing gum that I've chewed all the flavor out of, and it's not fun for me anymore. I can't imagine having like four shows a month in one city and then going to other cities as well. What was that schedule like before the pandemic? We were really busy. Like every other day, we would have a gig every two, three days. And plus, I was also organizing other gigs alongside doing the Fifi stuff. So mm. I was... Doing quite a lot of comedy and was, was quite busy before the pandemic. But um, going back to what you're saying, it's I, I feel like you get. I mean, just doing if you if you're only doing a joke three or four times and then you're getting totally bored of it, then that's then that must be. I mean, I agree with you. I get. I I am totally bored of most of being probably, alive. Being alive, of course, but <laughs> most of most most of my material. But um, yeah, you have to kind of sometimes fake that you, you're still into But, it. Yeah, this is, is the annoying. thing. I mean, As a woman, you probably know how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you do a show every uh, couple of days, uh, it's it's now your main job. Yeah, you're doing a service to people, so it's not uh, solely for your fun anymore. Yeah. Uh, so you gotta make sure you are the entertainer, and uh, you don't have to bring fresh stuff every time. 
if you have a working 20 minutes of material, right. and it works. But you got to be into that 20 minutes, or at least you got to, as yeah. I said, fake it for the audience, for their pleasure. You learn how to fake it yeah. as a woman there. Yeah, I already, made that, I already <laughs> made that joke, <laughs> but all right. We can, we, can, uh, we can do it, we can multiple times with that joke, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very territorial with your jokes, yeah, man. I can do the same joke. Exactly. It's all I've, it's all I've got. <laughs> so, I'm not uh, getting... You're going to get bored from that joke anyways. Yeah. Let me do exactly. it exactly. Yeah, you can, you can sloppy seconds my joke. <laughs> sloppy seconds. Yeah. yeah. So like you know the the choke to fifty process, and now you're getting back into it after the pandemic, right? I mean, it's been like a two year hiatus. What do you think the new choke to fifty shows will be like then? I don't know, dude. You know, we're gonna we got just got to wait and see what's gonna happen. I don't know. I really have no idea. Like I said, last year was a slow year, so this year might. Maybe it's gonna be better or kind of stay the same. I don't know. Yeah, I one don't know one or the long. other, by definition. Yeah, maybe you should do choked up Fifi 2.0, promising 2.0. people that this will be all new jokes. Exactly, yeah. that's what we should do. But or that would require work. You don't even have to write new jokes. <laughs> that requires... just, no, no, no. You don't even have to. Write. It's been two years. Nobody remembers. Right, you just do the oldest material again. <laughs> Return. It's been like, hey man, you know, 2018's been pretty weird, right? <laughs> 2018, exactly. Yeah. Just, just remember to say 2022. Wow. I actually know Asla for 10 years. Wow, that's crazy, dude. Yeah, almost 10 years now. And when I first met Asla, she just moved to Istanbul and she was engaged. You remember I, that yeah, dark kind of, time yeah, of your yeah, life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, blocked yeah, it out yeah, to yeah. protect yourself. It wasn't a real engagement, though. It was fake. It's for, the, for the money? It was for the what? family. It was yes. for the family because we were living together. So oh. just for them to oh. not say stuff. But I never really wanted to marry that guy. Oh. I just kind of went along with Did it. Did he know that? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, Surprise! Dude. It's, all, uh, yo, it's yeah. all a hidden camera show. UK didn't assimilate your family enough so they require a marriage for you i don't know to live with a guy yeah yeah i don't know my you know they weren't super happy with it i think so i was just like okay because i came over to visit Mm. well like we were i was living in bodrum at the time and they came over to visit and i was like okay well maybe we should do like a surprise thing so then they can stop they didn't really say anything i think i just kind of felt like i should it was something like that it was something like that, I think. Yeah, to make it It wasn't like, oh, what are you guys doing? You should get engaged. I think yeah. we just kind of did it just to, like, we preempted a problem, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Like getting engaged. So 10 years, man. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. So you used to be married for real. She was engaged <laughs> as, a, as a joke. As a joke, <laughs> exactly. As a bit. Yeah. Committing um, to the bit. My marriage was a joke as well. Yeah. It's... But yeah, I didn't know when I was setting it up. The punchline was hidden, so it was yeah. punchy for me that's, too. That's, <laughs> you you got to get new material from somewhere. Oh, yeah. Speaking of more, speaking of that, so also like, what inspires you to write new material? Is, is it normally just stuff from your own life, stuff you go through every day, or are you like watching the news or whatever? It's so random. I don't know. I could be walking down the street and I might have an idea. I could be talking to someone and I might have an idea. I could, you know, it's. I don't know. I I mean, it, I I would love to be one of those people that sits down and thinks, okay, let me try and write some funny stuff. But I've just never been able to be that person. I yeah. just have no discipline. I also feel it's kind of like that. Well, it's not just a discipline thing, although maybe for me it is too. I feel like if you tell me to be funny, I can't do it. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's something like it can only come when you're sort of not expecting it, like, like happiness, right? You don't like you can't say, okay, now 
I'm going to be funny. I'm going to yeah. sit down. And I'm going to write 15 minutes of being funny. It's all just like, yeah, hanging out with you guys or just going about yeah. my day and whatever. And things come into my head. But I don't, I don't plan it. I'm not trying to write anything. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a comic. This is just how my brain works when left to its own devices. I don't think there is a common ground rule for that. <laughs> for some people, it's uh, sitting down and writing their... A social people maybe they live with their own ideas and never really socialize in their own life anyways but for some comics uh, they come up with ideas when they socialize with other people mm. that's me as well when I talk with other people and I come up with a funny sentence and I just write it down and yeah. try to turn it into a bit later on at home it's all about the environment you're in and like what's going on in your life and I, for me it's always like if I'm if I'm mentally normal if i'm not depressed then i'm funny the minute i don't feel fun like, you know what i mean what's, what's, <laughs> the, what's the status currently what's the current status i think i'm doing all right Are this you doing podcast okay? going well but like yeah if i'm if i'm like not depressed then i can like think comedically if i'm actually depressed then nothing is funny and then i can't like make any jokes about anything because i'm not in i'm not in that headspace so if i'm just in a relatively fine headspace like the jokes will come by themselves you know if i'm just engaged in life and stuff you know, but it's different for everyone, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Aslı, uh, I've heard that you were talking about doing a solo show in English in the in Edinburgh Fringe Festival yes. next year. Yes. Is it still I, on? I would really like to do a show next year, Edinburgh Fringe, because as as a comedian that started in the UK, it's like something you have to do, mm. and like I I feel like I have to do it, and I've kind of put it off for long enough. And um, so I am planning on doing it. I just need to kind of move my ass a little bit and uh, try and write a thing. Literally, you could pull your I pants down once again. It's impossible. <laughs> that could be the whole show. Yeah. Just in a 50 minutes of just people looking at wasn't, my ass. Wasn't there a guy Maybe in the last Maybe I should just have fringe? the jokes like yeah. projected onto my ass. Right. Could, while yeah. and, and that's it. I'm, I'm just lo yeah. not looking at the audience. People Sort would probably with your buck exactly. Sort with my buck cheats, yeah. Exactly. Wasn't there a guy that did that at the last fringe? Some guy got naked? Oh, there's always people getting naked. I mean, yeah, exactly. Are you talking about the one that put the firecracker in his ass? I might be. I think I showed Is you that, that video. No, I haven't seen that. There's a video of that? There's a video. I don't know if you're joking a, or telling the truth, but I'm I think it's real. Yeah. I'm absolutely telling the truth. And there's a comedian, I've forgotten his name. He's, he's hilarious. Wow. Crisp something? Oh, he's hilarious? <laughs> he's crazy. <laughs> okay. He's totally crazy. And he God. finished an awards ceremony by stripping and then putting a fire... Um, a firework in his ass and then lighting it mm. and ended the show with there's no business like show business. Mm. I well, have that on video. How are you going to top it. that? That's uh, pretty... Yeah. How am I going to top that? Yeah, follow I, I that. Follow yeah. that act. People so, go into surgery well, you've, got to, more, you've got more holes than he does to put firecrackers into. There's all kinds You're going to have a few more holes after this. Right. End of the interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, everybody says you got to <laughs> suffer for your art, and this is one way you do it. Yeah. yeah. People go into surgery for getting more beautiful, but maybe yeah. you can have a yeah. better ass, a funnier ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that might be a new market. Well, Richard Pryor actually set himself on fire by smoking crack cocaine. So this is kind of like that. He set himself on fire well, smoking crack by accident kind of maybe he wanted to die but you know anyway this is the comedy podcast <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, he had a, yeah, this is one of my favorite stories ever. If so, you or anyone you know has been suffering from these issues, please yeah. do not please hesitate to contact to us at subscribe to the podcast. Com. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are uh, mentally <laughs> ill, you gotta subscribe. Uh, <laughs> so Pryor was a uh, he was this was like in the eighties, height of his fame. He was making thousands of dollars a day and wasting it all on drugs, and he was smoking crack, and the crack pipe like, exploded in his hand, and he like he, he caught on fire. His body caught on fire, and he just ran down the street on fire. Actually, he got burned over like I don't know what percentage of his body, but he had to get skin grafts and all Whoa. this stuff. And then in no his next shit. special, in his next special, this is one of my favorite stories ever. In his next special, he takes a, a book of matches, or he asks somebody for a match, right? And he lights the match, and he says, hey, what's this? What's this? What's this? It's Richard Pryor running down the street. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Absolutely, hey. absolutely perfect. Yeah. Should we talk about Queen Elizabeth? Queen yeah. Elizabeth. Your queen died? Yeah. All right. Would you? Right. Yeah, your queen died. <laughs> why'd, you, why'd you do it? <laughs> you have a king now. Yeah, you have a king now. We have a king now. We don't like the king. We, we don't, don't like, like Charles. Yeah. If, if yeah. I had to look, yeah. Charles is an absolute cunt. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, Finally, we, we you are catching Charles. up to democracy everyone, now. Everyone hates Charles. We hate him. We yeah. don't want him. Yeah. Most people hate him. Like <laughs> 70, I think there was some kind of poll done about, yeah. and only 40% of the people in the UK were okay with Charles. Because the queen 60%. was like a sweet old lady. Charles is just a weird man. That's he, totally we different. don't like Charles because yeah. he cheated on Diana. Exactly. Look, I mean, here's and the thing. And then got her killed. The one thing that I don't like is like, <laughs> I, I, I'm just sad that now the UK has to print Charles's face on the money. Dude, right? exactly. Yeah. What am I going to do Charles, with all that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's horrible, horrible, wrinkly, nasty. If I had to look at flappy, if face. I had to look at Charles's face like every day, on the, I would crash my own car into a wall. Oh, dude. <laughs> 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 yeah, by accident. Imagine. But we were sad. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Imagine that one of your jokes will go into the pound, twenty pounds, let's say. Uh-huh. Every twenty pound bill will have one of your jokes. Which joke would wow. you choose? Wow, which joke would I choose? You're assuming I have jokes. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come up with one <laughs> now. Don't look, the, <laughs> <laughs> don't don't look at the baby penis. Don't I think that would be perfect. Yeah, that's for what you, that's yeah. what you need. A pound I mean, note. Like, just uh, to remind everyone. Yeah, don't got, look at the baby you got penis. Charles on the on the pound, and then exactly. you got the just for him, so yeah. he knows. Yeah. Him looking exactly. at the looking baby at penis. The, <laughs> him looking at the phrase that says "Do not look at the baby penis." <laughs> yeah, that's actually probably pretty useful. You got to distribute those at like Eaton. <laughs> you know, oh, we're supposed to do what? Okay. <laughs> Anything you want to say to your fans? Any yeah. shows you want to announce? To the mentally ill prisoners who are forced to listen to, to the this. Mentally ill prisoners. Um, I mean, I they can just follow me on Instagram, Ashley Akbay. I uh, put stuff on there sometimes, and people can see what's going on that way. That's both right. English and Turkish shows. For both right? English yeah. and Turkish, they're all on my Instagram. And come see Chok Fifi. I don't care if you don't speak Turkish. Support women. Support okay? like women. Like we do with this podcast. Shave your head That's and right. come. That's right. And we're not talking about the shows. <laughs> <laughs> Support women generally. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Comedy Passport podcast. I'm Leon Sandler, joined by... Murat Gençoğlu. And... Aslak Bay. Thanks again. See you next time. Bye. 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 Hello, can I see your passports, please?